Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Today's guest is a one-man musical conglomerate, really. He was discovered by the legendary Bob James back in 1981. And since coming onto the scene, he's not only made great music, but he's been a radio and TV host, a nightclub and record label owner, and a promoter and producer of his own jazz festival, the Shoreline Jazz Festival, as well as a philanthropist. He started out playing the guitar and today is one of the top smooth jazz flautists in the game. Please welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz backstage, Mr. Alexander Zanchik. Alexander, welcome to the show, man. Uh, where's your plow? You need one of those big plows machines. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Carl. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, it's our pleasure to have you, man. I got to tell you, you know, you, you've done so much in your career, and, and there's so much I want to talk to you about. But I want to start with the fact that you were discovered by Bob James. Tell us about that. Well, you know, interestingly enough, the Bob James story, which is a great story, is is one one in a long line of serendipitous things that happen in most people's lives. But in mm -hmm. my life, it kind of came along a little bit later because uh, if you go back to the early days, I was a rock and roll guitar player. Yeah. And so I went from being a rock and roll guitar player, buying a flute off a guy on the street, literally for nine bucks. Mm -hmm. uh, good story there. Definitely yeah. a hot flute. <laughs> going back to university, studying, still playing guitar. And then uh, in the early days, the music that intrigued me the most, because I've never really thought of myself really as a jazz anything. I think okay. my music is jazzy, but my my you know, my 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 appetite is for so many different kinds of music. Love classical music, sure. love old rock and roll guitar, love the blues. But I stumbled across some Bob James albums when I was a university student. And uh fell in love with those, like Bob James 1 and 2. Yeah. Uh, he had Hubert Laws play a lot of flute on those early records. And Hubert, of course, is brilliant, yeah. classically trained from that amazing family. So sorry I had to go around the block here to answer your question. No, but, it's great, though. So so when you, you see all of this cool stuff going on, I start working in Detroit probably late 70s, early 80s okay. uh, on a really large scale. They just embraced me very early on. And whatever that music was, I, I always love to clarify that I love and admire and respect jazz musicians. Never really thought of myself as a jazz musician, per se, but someone who plays certainly music with improvisation in it, yeah. music that is jazzy. But I, you know, I, I don't, as a rule, play, play Giant Steps and Naeem on my flute. I play a lot of R&B-ish pop music. Yeah. So... I was playing at a famous jazz club in Detroit, which way back in 81, 82, if you, uh, if you got an opportunity to play at Baker's, uh -huh. uh, that was a career move because okay. you could conceivably go in there and the week before Dizzy Gillespie was in there and the week wow. after McCoy Tyner was in there. That was the stature yeah. of that room. So I really lucked out around November, I would say November 81, late November, uh, getting ready to get into 82. And I I landed a, a spot at Baker's. I started to develop a reputation. Everybody in Detroit started to know me. I had an album that came out in 1978. Okay. 
the WJZZ was a famous radio station here. Mm -hmm. Big personalities like Larry Doc Elliott and Rosetta Hines. And uh, so they started to embrace my music right away. So That's by, awesome. by 81, when I got to play at Baker's, I go, boy, you can't, you can't be more excited. I'm starting to do a lot of stuff in Detroit. At that point, I'm just, you know, I'm the guy from Canada uh -huh. uh, with the big afro. I mean, I had this big throat. <laughs> and, and everyone was very intrigued by who is this guy? Where did he come from? And I was playing this interesting hybrid of jazz and pop and blues yeah. and all of that. And uh, coincidentally enough, the first weekend that I played at Baker's, it was a Sunday night. And one of my heroes, and I explained to you that I loved Bob James, and I heard those early records. Yeah, Bob James was playing at the Royal Oak Music Theater in Detroit, and an agent friend of mine went to that show. And when his show was done, he went backstage and, and said to Bob, hey, Bob, you know what? I know you don't do this, but can I drag you into a club tonight after your show? Because mm. there's a guy I really want you to hear. And I know you love the flute because you worked with Hubert Law so much, you know, and, yeah. and that's quite a standard. Needless yeah. to say. So uh, so there's the serendipity of it all. Bob is there. His daughter's on the road with him. She's like 13 at the time. <laughs> and he says, okay, we'll go. Because he had heard of Baker's. He knew it was a famous place. Uh -huh. And there I am in Baker's playing my show, you know, playing like, you know, like I normally do. Like, it's the last gig of my life. I mean, we never leave anything yeah. not on that stage. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I looked. They had these mirrors all around the, the room. And I look and I see somebody and I go, I think that's Bob James. It, it just, huh. you know, and I knew he was in town. So needless to say, that was a, a big moment. He comes into the club. My friend Earl Clue is there that night, who oh, was wow. a big supporter and a fan as well. Earl yeah. played on many of my records. And he's a Detroiter, as you know. Yeah. Uh, and Earl used to love Bakers. He hung out there all the time. Okay. And so Earl was there that night. Bob comes in. They already know one another. They're friends. Bob comes in. I finish my first set. The minute I see him, of course, I play every Bob James song that I know. Yeah. I play Taxi. I play Westchester Lady. I play. Uh, I play Where the Wind Blows Free. I do. I'm playing them all. You know. I go. Wow. He's here. I, I got to impress him. You know. Uh huh. And, and sure enough, when the show was over, he came up to the stage and uh, introduced himself to me. He's just a beautiful man. Uh, you know. I can. I can honestly tell you, if you're a young musician out there. Boy, are you lucky if you meet someone like Bob James. Okay. And I have, okay. A, I have a few of them. Yeah. And not only a brilliant musician, but a generous musician, an inspiration. And he came up to the stage uh, and said, uh, I've been hearing so much about you. I loved your set. Wow. Uh, what a pleasure to meet you. I went and I sat down with him. Earl came over. You know, this is a big moment for me. No at that kidding. Time, you know, and uh, sure enough, at one point, uh, after sitting in with me the next show, he wow. said, well, you know, I got a great band with Harvey Mason and Gary King and Doc Gibbs on percussion and Mark Colby on saxophone and this no superstar kidding. band. He says, I got this great band. We're getting ready to go on tour this spring. We're going to play the West Coast and we're going to go to Japan. We're going to play the Philippines. And when we get back, we're going to play Carnegie Hall. Would you like to join the band? No kidding. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So and, like and I will tell you, I'll tell you what's unique about that, Carl, is on the one hand, of course, it's a, it's a, you know, you're, you're on the ceiling with excitement because of course. what just happened. And, and yes, Baker's is cool and Detroit's great. But now all of a sudden, this guy has offered you something that is a, a quantum leap. What makes that very special, and I always explain this to people, is that I don't play the guitar. I don't play the bass. 
Yeah. I don't play the saxophone. I don't play. Uh, nobody, when he puts a band together, Carl, sits at the kitchen table with the rest of the band and says, who are we going to get to play flute? Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. And they'll talk about the business cards before they talk about a flute player. <laughs> and so what was very unique about that was that someone like Bob James heard something, recognized something, and wanted someone to come into a band that certainly didn't need me to play solo flute on yeah. that stage. Yeah. And so uh, I really considered it a, a, an, a, an honor and a blessing. And, of course, I left Baker's that night. I just couldn't have been more excited. And uh, imagine. And that started a long relationship uh, with Bob and, and a lot of collaborations. And, of course, Hiram Bullock was in that band. And, and, and what was so interesting about it is, you know, I flew out to see, uh, Portland for the first concert, Scared to Death. I remember uh -huh. telling all my friends, if the only thing I do on this tour is just get all these guys coffee, I'll be happy. <laughs> you know, little did I know that I would get this really big slot. He would put me in the front of the stage. I would play Where the Wind Blows Free, Taxi, wow. Touchdown. And it really turned out to be uh, an amazing moment. And, you know, yeah. if you're a real artist, you never feel you're ready. And if yeah. you're a real artist, you're always thinking that, you know, it's not a race you ever win. They just keep moving the finish line. Yeah, yeah. I always thought that being able to, to function on that scale with those kinds of musicians, for me, I always thought it was in my future because I was so busy trying to become mm -hmm. this player. I mean, I'm listening to Hubert Laws. I'm listening to Herbie Mann. I'm listening to James Galway, the great classical flute player. So so that was a very good question. And yeah. needless to say, uh, Bob James is a... Uh, it was a big part of my career. Yeah, clearly. And and I got, I mean, I, I'm just, as I'm listening to you tell the story, I'm thinking about, my gosh, like you walk into the club that night to do your gig and your life has changed within a couple of hours, right? Like yes. life was never the same again for you, I'm sure, right? Well, well, true. And, and but, but in all fairness, uh, Carl, it's one of a series of serendipitous things. I mean, my life also changed when I'm playing in Toronto with a rock and roll band called Crosstown Traffic, okay, and I come back that. to Windsor to visit my parents, I'm 20 years old. Uh -huh. I think I'm going to be a rock star. Uh -huh. And a guy sells me a flute on the street for nine bucks. And I fall in love with the idea of learning how to play it. Uh -huh. and, and, and next thing you know, I go back to university and I discover the classical world. You know, So that was every bit as life-changing. Yeah. You know? And then the next move after that, even before Bob, was meeting and studying and recording with the, the principal flute player of the Detroit Symphony, Irvin Monroe. Brilliant yeah. classical flute player. He took me under his wing. We became friends. We made records. So that, that actually came before Bob James. Okay. And, uh, okay. and then making that first album in 1978. Mm-hmm. Which, which if you if you can find it, because it's hard to find, yeah. everything is on there. Um, You've got jazz classics like, like uh, you know, Kenny Durham's Blue Bossa. You've got Stephen Sondheim's Sending the Clowns. You, you know, it's, it's, it was my taste that had eclectic taste. So yeah. all of those serendipitous things and chance encounters happened before even Bob. And then when Bob comes along, you know, it, it just solidified everything. And yeah. next thing you know, I'm recording and touring and the, all of my, my early uh, – my early record labels and you know i've been doing this a long time carl yeah yeah i know i know you have but i you know it's it's great to hear this story too when the you know when the 
all of the backdrop to your career because like you your name has come up in some of our other episodes where people are talking about musicians that they respect right and i think it's it's got to be a huge thing to be known as kind of a musician's musician if you will right but also yeah. too the point that you made about being a flute player there aren't a whole lot of flute no. players in the genre right no. and certainly not a whole lot that have had the kind of staying power that you've had yeah. right so yeah. Yeah. that's you know that's a that's a pretty important testament to all those things that have gone into you being being where you are today and coming up the way you have and that you said that you made a comment that about not thinking you're ready well clearly i'm a big believer that like um you, you know preparedness is what leads you to your opportunity and when that night when bob james was there no you were ready. i mean to be able to go into your repertoire and start playing his songs like that that says a lot about how you how you handle your craft yeah right right well that's a very good point and a very good point for any young musicians out there you know it's you know, everybody makes a big deal out of opportunity. Yeah. But like, like what you said, it's got to butt itself up against preparedness. Yeah. You got to be ready. You know. No doubt about uh, it. And and so, I, look, I would have been happy if I just met him that night. I would have yeah. been happy if he'd have come in and I could tell everyone, guess who came to my show? Yeah. Yet alone, you know, uh, being lucky enough to develop that kind of a relationship with someone who turned out to be uh, such a mentor, not only to me, but if you just look. You take a guy like Bob James, and he falls into that same category. If you look at all the people that are coming in and out of his product, and you yeah. look at the Kirk Wellams, yep. and you look at the Earl Clues, and you look at the uh, 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 Harvey Mason, a foreplay. Oh, mm -hmm. um, you know, Bob James is not average. Bob James is this brilliant artist. I mean, for heaven's sakes, he was Sarah Vaughan's music director for five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He studied yeah. composition at the University of Michigan. He's a class. So, so if you're lucky, and then all of a sudden, once you get into that product, well, let me tell you something. You have no, you have no reason at this point to not find inspiration to practice because every time a tour came up, it was my, it was my goal to be better than I was the last time. Yeah, because yeah. I never took it for granted that I was just going to be there. And you brought up something very important. It's one thing. It's one thing to hit a home run one night. It'd be nice to hit a few more. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, anybody could take a big swing and accidentally hit the ball. <laughs> no but, doubt. But the longevity of this career of mine, because I feel as relevant. Um, I, I have an empire. I'm lucky enough in Detroit to yeah. have developed this amazing relationship with what is, in my mind, the greatest music city in the world. Yeah. Love Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah. Love New York. But Detroit's it's my yeah. city. Yeah. So uh so the longevity, you never take that for granted. And as far as your artistry goes, it's not a race you're ever gonna win. You're, yeah, you're, yeah. You're never gonna wake up one day and go, Well, there you go, I figured it out. No, you never figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, you keep I guess that's part better. of the beauty though, right? That's part of the beauty. That is that that's part of what keeps you coming back, I gotta assume, right? Absolutely. And you know, the cliche in all of that is it's more about the journey than yeah. it is the destination or even the arrival at a destination uh, because, because again, they just keep moving the finish line. You get this good and then you go, well, I want to be that. Yeah, good. And yeah. as long as you own a, if you own any records or any MP3s, all I got to do is put Hubert Laws on and he still inspires me. Yeah. Or all yeah. I got to do is put James Galway on playing even a simple song like Danny boy. And I go, now that's a flute sound. Yeah. And then yeah. I can put on, Luther Vandross singing a house is not a home and I go now that's what I call phrasing so yeah. the, the the 
the the references to the level of artistry out there that's enough inspiration for at least one lifetime i can tell you that <laughs> yeah no doubt about it no doubt about it so when you're making your music like what like i know like your music like you said like you don't consider your music jazz you consider it ja having jazzy elements to it right yes. but what are you going for when you're making your music like what is what are you chasing well you know it, it's it's very instinctive uh i i will say the element in all of this that's always been important to me because I feel that the flute, because the challenge of that instrument is it's it's so it, it, it'll it'll eat you alive, that instrument. You have to mm -hmm. practice and practice and practice. You have to have such command of it to front a band with it. But from the very beginning, I always compared it to the closest instrument to the human voice. Okay. You know, you know we, we all have unique vibratos. We all have unique yeah. sounds. We, we, we use the same diaphragmatic support as singers. It's basically the closest instrument to the human voice. And that being said, what I've always been attracted to are great melodies. I mm -hmm. love melodies. Okay. And if I go back to the early days of my early successes, it was never virtuosity, even though I have virtuosity. I work at it. Yeah. I triple tongue and I double tongue and I flutter tongue and I, I, play, I play that instrument on what I'd like to believe is a, is a world-class level. Absolutely. But in spite of that technique, to me, the magic is always the ability, like a singer, to, to, to deliver a melody, a beautiful yeah. melody. Yeah. And that's what separates everybody anyway, you know. And so my inspiration when I'm playing, when I'm recording, when I'm in front of people is to touch them. And I don't think there's a, a better way to touch them than with a beautiful melody. That's awesome. You know? that's, that's all awesome. there is to yeah, well, good for you, man. Well, let's take a listen to some of that good music you've been making. Let's play a song from your 2020 release, Playing It Forward, um, that got quite a bit of love on, uh, on, on the radio, and this is Motor City Sway.
All right, everybody. That was today's guest, Alexander Zanjic, with his song, Motor City Sway. So, Alexander, that song, like I said, got quite a bit of, of love on the radio, but I loved the video, and it seemed to me like it was a, a bit of a love letter to your to your uh, adopted hometown. Tell us about how that video came to be, man. Well, no, no doubt about it. And 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 uh, let me just give credit where it's due on that track. Uh, James Lloyd, who's one of my new closest friends and collaborators. Yeah. If you don't know the name, he's obviously uh, do. pieces of a dream. Mm -hmm. uh, 45 years they've been together, those guys. Talk about longevity, you know. Yeah. So, so James and I have been dear friends for a long time. Uh, and I was very lucky. I've had major collaborators, Bob James, Jeff Lorber, um, Kirk Whalem. Yeah. And lately it's been James Lloyd. When we got into COVID and the whole world shut down, mm -hmm. uh, and I, 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 I figured, what am I going to do? Because I run all these festivals. I, I really, I literally run a little empire here. Yeah, you know? I know. And the empire shut down. And I figured, well, I'm going to make a cool record. Jeff Lorber sent me so many great songs. Uh, and James Lloyd sent me what I thought was a quirky tune at the beginning. Uh -huh. I was the one who named it. But when he first sent it to me, I thought it was really quirky. You know, it was kind of a throwback, that funky groove, that vibe, that loop, and uh -huh. then that really cool melody. And I, I automatically, again, going back to the melody story, I fell in love with that cool melody, that that hook, that whole yeah. And it has real virtuosity in it. That flute solo in the middle of that song, I took a very classical approach to it. Um, and there's, and I don't feel guilty about doing this. Jazz musicians might, but I don't. Uh -huh. I totally and completely orchestrated, transcribed, and wrote out that middle solo, that virtuosic solo in the middle that, with all that triple tongue in it, uh -huh. was a, was my classical solo in the middle. And so okay. I fell in love with it. It was funny because Jeff Lorber, who was a big part of the record, said to me, "I'm not really sure I can play on that." He he. It wasn't his thing. It was James Lloyd's thing. Okay. Well, okay. Lorber's got that whole jazzy fusion vibe. Yeah. And, and James Lloyd is all funk, feel, hip, cool. And so so we make the song. I name it Motor City Sway. Uh, in the back of my mind, I'm going, there's got to be a dance. We got to come up with a dance. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, you know, Detroit's a big ballroom dance town like oh, Chicago. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got electric slides and hustles and all that. I go, we need to come up with the Motor City Sway. That's you know? cool. And, and it's a derivative of, you know, hustle, electric slide. Uh, it was a lot of fun because James Lloyd's wife, who we call Lady T, uh -huh. and my assistant, Phyllis, who we call Front Row Phyllis, FRP. Okay. FRP. <laughs> so FRP and Lady T got together and choreographed the dance. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we put it together. And then I say, in my mind, I figured, what am I going to do to lift the spirits of this, of this town that took such a big COVID hit? Detroit really took a big hit. Yeah. What are we going to do to lift those spirits? And, 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 and along with that, what are we going to do to showcase this really cool town, this cool song? And so, you know, I have so many uh, connections here in Detroit. I call my friends at the Motown Museum. Yeah, you can dance on our front lawn. I call That's the city. Cool. They let me. They let us dance in front of the city hall. I borrow classic cars. I go and if you watch that video, easy to find by the way. Just Motor City Sway. Go to YouTube. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I'm telling you, Carl. When that video came out, the the nerve that it hit, with all due respect to the song, and I'm I'm not I'm not underestimating that it's a cool tune. Yeah, it was really more than the song. It was people watching in the middle of COVID. 
young people, old people dancing, yeah. happy. You know? Yes. So yes. Uh, I got to say the Motor City Sway experience for me was was fun. It took me a little by surprise. Uh, but I got to tell you, you come to my live show and uh, we just came back from Charlotte. We uh -huh. were in New Jersey. Couple, they're swaying all over the country. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I got to tell you, yeah, I mean, it's just a fun video. It's a great song that's infectious. I mean, you can't help but bob your head and toe tap to the song. But it's yeah. just a fun video to watch, right? And I think I think you hit onto it too. Like, you know, that was in that was in this whole COVID era. And yeah. it was just nice to see people having a good time yeah. and hearkening back into something that we hadn't done for a while, which is just getting together, dancing, and like there's a scene where you get in a I think it's a red Corvette or, or convertible coming out of some some oh, yeah, club yeah. or restaurant or something. You know, it's just a fun video. And I think that has a lot to do with how one of the reasons why I think it took off so well for you. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny you should say that. I'm going to I'm going to say this uh, just to qualify everything. The cars in my videos, uh -huh. clothes in my videos, even the sunglasses in my videos. None of that is mine. Yeah. Uh, OK. OK. Most of that persona in those videos, not only a Motor City Sway, but also the hipster video, which was uh -huh. another video we made. Most of that persona is really is tongue in cheek. Okay. I, I'm not. I'm not that hip a dude. Okay, okay, okay. So, okay, if that's not who you really are, and I think there's a little bit of you that's probably that though. Who who are you really? What's what is your what's your what's your persona when you're behind when you're not on stage and when you're doing your thing and you're you know taking time for you? Oh, you know what? I'm I, I'm an artist in the literal sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I um uh, yeah. Of course, I'm in the public a lot. I do weekly television. I do all that stuff, but really, uh, uh, artist. It's it's very much about the music, and but even more about the fans, the people. Yeah. Uh, my profile and my relationship uh, with everybody here in Detroit, all the fundraisers we do, the connection. Look, I'm a Canadian guy from Windsor, Ontario, across the river, that's been adopted by one of the greatest music cities in the world. Never take that for granted. So, now nah, you know, I I I can honestly say. Um, the guy in the video, if you didn't know him, you could almost get a sense as, well, this is a cool, hip guy. He looks uh -huh. like he's got a bit of an ego. I'm a pretty humble dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you seem that. I mean, people don't know this, but, like, I cold called Alexander and said, hey, you know, I'm wondering if uh, if you'd like to do this podcast. And you were just the nicest guy. Like, I, you know, like, and that, that's one of the things, though, that I've noticed about a lot of musicians in the genre like some of the coolest and most humble people that I have met, like you guys, you know, you guys are all very well known. You guys have all been very, very successful. But for me to cold call you when you were just as nice as you could possibly be to me. So he's telling the truth, everybody. That's really how he is. So <laughs> No, I, I can assure you this guy here is really is really more me than than the Motor City Sway guy. No, you know what? It's very interesting that you, uh, uh, you know, you know, when you've done this as long as I have and I'm I'm very, you know, I don't. I'm 71 years old. Okay. Don't let my hair and teeth fool you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, and with every bit as much energy and every bit as much going on as I did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah. And so there's something very, you want to talk about something humbling. That's what's humbling, that I'm still relevant. Yeah, you know? yeah. That yeah. I can do what I love to do and that I can branch out and 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 create festivals, uh, produce TV, uh basically inspire and 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 showcase so many musicians uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, i'm a i'm just a lucky guy
Well, let's uh, let's play a little bit more of that music that you've made, man. And then I want to get into talking about all that other stuff that you're doing. So let's listen to one of your many collaborations. This is Jazz Cafe featuring the late great Chuck Loeb.
that was Alexander Zonchik with uh, with Chuck Loeb and the song Jazz Cafe. So, Alexander, you have done so many things in your career, like not just being a world class musician, but being a business owner, a record label owner, a nightclub owner, being a um, doing festivals. Like, was it your mindset? early on to have your hands in so many things that this stuff evolve and and how do you juggle all of those balls and do it well well you you uh well you nailed it it evolved okay uh, it did not start that way you know i always joke with people when they when they decide to uh put that all in front of me you know mm -hmm. uh, you know 10 major festivals weekly tv radio make records I always joke that it's amazing what a human being will do to avoid a real job. You know? <laughs> uh, but in the process of that, because, you know, my son is an actor. Okay. And from the time he was a little kid, his example at, at home was, well, it may be a long shot to think you're going to be an actor for a living. But, Dad, you play the flute, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so my, my support for him, because he's trained, he's studied, he's paid all the dues. I know one day we're all going to, you're all going to know who he is, because he's really that talented. Fantastic. Better looking than I am. He's more, t he's, he's funnier. He's everything. But my common line with him has always been, you can avoid a real job, but here's what's going to happen in your attempt. You're totally not going to avoid real work. Yeah. It's so much yeah. work. So to answer your question, all of that stuff fell into play. You okay. know, uh, in the early days, uh, our fantasy scenario, and that's all of us artists. If you were interviewing Kenny G is a very dear friend of mine, Kenny Gorlick, yeah. Dave Koss, any of them. It's, um, uh, we all start out with the fantasy that we're going to get signed by a major label. We're going to get this amazing manager. Uh -huh. We're not going to worry about anything but sitting in that practice room, being creative. <laughs> and those guys, those mechanisms are going to bring us to the world. And, yeah. you know, it wasn't totally a fantasy. I will tell you, if I go back to coming out of the 80s with, a, with a, already a, a bit of a library a, a, and a discography, signing with Warner Brothers in around 90, getting a big advance, touring around the world yeah. with Bob at the time, it did look like I could just put all my focus just on this. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then, and, But then our business changed. Yeah, Major labels got out of it because people sensed, especially in the Detroit area, that along with an ability to play and perform, uh, and I was always doing TV, even when I came out of Canada in the late 70s. Okay. I was already doing CBC television. Then I got asked by CBS Radio here to do mornings on WVMV, uh -huh. which in Detroit's huge gig, you know. Yeah. Uh, that was a big smooth. So slowly but surely, one by one, these other assets and these other skill sets started to develop. Mm -hmm. They all came out of the idea of being a flute player. And by the way, I still play guitar on the show, too. Okay. Okay. The only thing I can play anymore is live is really loud blues. <laughs> but I do take the guitar out. The crowd loves it. So radio comes along. I start working with a lot of big organizations in town who hire me to do events. And because they're not particularly good at it, yeah, I give them a lot of advice. It's all free. I go, here's what you should do. Here's what you should do. Some of them very early on would say things like, well, why don't you do this for us? You're uh -huh. obviously better at it. You know, it was that kind of a thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you take like Jazz on the River that's coming up uh, August 6th and 7th, mm -hmm. 25 years I've been doing that. It's wow. it's, it's 25,000 people a day. No kidding. It's George Benson, it's Stephanie Mills, every major. So I fell into these things. Yeah. And I, I fell into them because, and not because they were worth a lot of money, because if anybody thinks 
there's a lot of money in my business. I've got some property to sell down in Florida. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, it's t- you do it because you love it. So yeah. you know what happened, Carl, to answer your question? One by one, these things came along. And the reason I can juggle them is because they didn't all show up at once. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I've got a small office, great assistant. Michael Belcher has been with me for over 25 years. Great. Um, it's small. It's tight. It's very efficient. Uh, we love doing it. Great relationships with Wayne County, City of Westland. Sure. Um, I fell into it. I fell into it. And I'd like to believe that I'm good at it. I'm not great at it. I won't yeah. lie to you. I'm not a great businessman. The reason I'm not a great businessman is because I'm an artist. That's a real juggling act. But mm-hmm. I am good enough at it. Um, yeah, clearly. And so, so you know, uh, what's, what's so cool about it? You know, uh, I went 10 years without making a record. Doing the D to playing it forward. Uh-huh. Why did I go 10 years without? making a record there was no reason to yeah. i got a whole empire here yeah i don't you know, i don't wait for the phone to ring gotcha you yeah know, who's the first guy i book on all of my festivals absolutely absolutely you know? <laughs> and so so it's been very i'm not saying it's easy i'm not saying i would not rather have been practicing i do find a way to balance it you know you come to a major festival that i'm running and here's what you're going to see you're going to see me disappearing all the time in other words, oh, there he is. He's introducing somebody. Oh, there he is. He's kissing someone. And and I'm always disappearing. And where am I disappearing to? I'm disappearing into an RV or a dressing room yeah. where I'm practicing. Yeah. Because yeah. because when it comes time for me to play, if I can't play, I'll get rid of all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you know, I, awesome. I found a model. I don't recommend it for a lot of people. I yeah. think it's I think it's I think it's really hard. I think it's mm-hmm. really, really difficult. But I um I'm doing it. Still getting away with it. That's fantastic, man. And I, I tell you, I, I I started a jazz festival um, back in 2019, just before COVID, the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival. And I, I tell people, I jokingly say now, so we're on our third event this summer. Unfortunately, we're at the same weekend that your Shoreline event oh is my goodness. in Milwaukee. But I tell people that, you know, I paid the rookie tax in that first year. Because there was so much that I had to learn, right? And I came out of a business background, but it's you're still you're juggling so many different things, and you're talking oh about disappearing. Is you know like you're disappearing to to practice, but while you're doing that, you're doing all those things you talked about. You're shaking somebody's hands, you're talking to a sponsor, you're making sure that some artist has what what they need yeah. to have. You know so the drill. You know it. exactly yeah. right, man. And it's a lot. It's a lot. And then to add in all of those other things and stay on top of your game, yeah. you've got to have, like, you, you, I, I guess I, I, I want to know what you're doing to, you know, to keep that level, keep all those balls going so much, because <laughs> well, that's, you know that, that's doing the do. You know what? It's very basic stuff. I can tell you. It's, there's no big secret. I never miss a day at the gym. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Uh, never drank my whole life. Never smoked. Yeah. Uh, I, I. I eat well. For me, the biggest high is is the level I play on and my health. Yeah. Uh, and all of that feeds into it because in the end, it's all stamina. It's yeah. All stamina. Yeah. And you know, if you look, look, Dave Cause is a machine. He is a machine. Uh, Kenny G, who I know really well, never stops touring, never stops practicing. Bob James at eighty-two, mm-hmm. unbelievable what he's doing. Yeah. And so. I'm not that unique. Uh, when you get to a certain point, you get up to the top of that little pyramid there and you start hanging around with people who are so successful, you find out that they all have a lot in common. Yeah. They're all pinching themselves 
They can't believe they're getting away with it. They all think that the only reason they're getting away with it is because they're outworking everybody. Uh -huh. But meanwhile, all the other successful people have the same philosophy, yeah. just working really hard. None of this is fun if you're not doing it on a really high level. Yeah. And it's only fun when the festival comes, when you know you've got it all together. And and the other thing is never make it about money because yeah. Yeah. it's never going to be about money. It's only going to be enough. Yeah. It'll never be a lot. Yeah. You know, you know so. and that's a really cool thing to say, because when we started our festival, we started our our profits go to provide to do philanthropic work in our community, much like what you do. Right. And it's a totally different mindset when you're not doing it to chase a buck, when you're doing it for a different cause. Right. Yeah, of course, to be able to achieve the goals of making a philanthropic impact, you have to make money. Right. Yes. But every decision is not about making the next nickel. Some decisions are about doing the right thing. And I think there's a certain level of enjoyment and that comes with that when you're oh, not just totally. chasing the book. That's your profit. Now, I want to say what's unique about what I do, and, and I could maybe put Dave Cause in the same thing, because, you know, look, we have the joy of, of, of our audiences mm -hmm. and giving them something. And the other thing that I'm totally emphatic about is affordable prices, in many cases, a lot of my big events are free to the public. Mm -hmm. Free. Yeah. Jazz on the River is free. St. Clair Jazz Festival is free. Westland Smooth Summer Nights is free. Shoreline Jazz Festival is a whole day of music for 45 bucks. Yeah. Uh, it's very important to me that all people can afford to come. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. So I get to interact with that crowd. I get to hire my musicians, friends, all my friends to come in and play. And then when all of, if all of that ain't nice enough or fun enough, yeah, I get to get up there and play. Yeah, you know, so so your profit is art. I know that's cliche, and 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 if anything, because you are an artist, you're so preoccupied with the level of it that the profits are all spent creating uh, the event. Mm -hmm. And that's why in the end, you know, I have business friends. I mean, I have a great profiler in Detroit. I hang around with genuinely great business people, mm -hmm. and whenever I'm in a room with them. It's always the standard joke. First of all, they think I'm rich uh -huh. because they see everything. And I have to remind them that, you know, that expression, the rich and the famous, you yeah. want to know why the rich is first and the famous is second. It's easy to get famous. Uh -huh. the, rich part, uh -huh. the rich part's the hard part. Yeah. And I make it very clear to them that I've totally managed to figure out through all these years how to make really a lot of money. But here's what I've not figured out, how to keep any of it. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. I mean, you spend it all. You spend it on the festivals, on the artists. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I could get a $750 act. No, I'm getting this $2,500 one. Yeah. No, we really can't afford George Benson. Ah, oh, we got to get George Benson. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So in the end, if you're an artist, what are you going to do with that money you saved? I don't have. I don't need boats. I don't need RV. I don't need yeah. any of that stuff. You know? yeah. So this is kind of unique. I'll tell you how unique it is. When Al Jarreau, and I'm going to bring him up because he's Milwaukee. Yes, indeed. And I got to know Al really well. We yeah. got to be friends. And uh, when Al played Shoreline Jazz Festival for me, it was near the end of his life. Okay. And I actually surprised him by, his manager set it up, by when they opened up the show with Mornin, playing that big flute solo at the beginning of Mornin. Okay. Uh, he didn't know I was going to come up and do it. So I got to be great friends with him. And I bring him in to do Jazz on the River, which is free to the public. And he's already a bit feeble. He's not standing. Yeah. He's, you know, but it's Al Jarreau. And Carl, I'm telling you, he shows up at this park. There's 200 boats behind the stage. There's 
thousands of people everywhere. It's free. Uh-huh. And everybody's there. We got the little VIP area. We put Al in the back of a of a, of a cart, a, a motorized cart, to bring him to the stage. Uh-huh. And as he's driving down the hill to come to the stage, the crowd's going nuts. Wow. And wow. Al was almost in tears. He was so moved by it all. That's amazing. And he comes to the back of the stage, and he's just he's overwhelmed by all of this and the fact that it's free. Yeah. And he yeah. plays his show. And the next morning, I get a call. I'm here at the office, and it's Al's assistant. And says, uh, "Oh, Alexander, do you have a minute to talk with Al? He really wants to talk." I go, "Of course." Now, if you know anything about Al Jarreau, uh, uh personally, have you ever interviewed him or talked to him? And I know this is going to sound uh, obscure. His talking voice and his his enthusiasm, he sounds like Carol Channing. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, Alexander, you know, you know, he has this uh-huh. totally animated. The next morning after Jazz on the River. There's Al on the phone with me. And the first words out of his mouth are go, he says, Alexander, what happened there last night? Like, <laughs> and I said, Well, Al, that's jazz on the river. Yeah. That is, that is an, an event that you can't take away from the people now. It's yeah. their event. It's bigger than all of us, you know. And he says, and you do that with, with government. Yes, I do that with government money. That that's taxpayer money that does that. And Al was so impressed by that model that he said to me, because he's a real artist. Yeah. And he says, well, why aren't you doing that in 10 other markets in America? And I said, Al, I'm not going to live that long. Yeah. 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 It's so much energy. But he was so moved by by the whole nature of of that. The love from the audience, music all day, the camaraderie. Uh, it's really a great story. Uh, yeah, I wish. Clearly. Uh, didn't you used to have in Milwaukee a big event that was run by Rotarians? Yeah, we did. It was uh, it, it was uh, a, a big jazz festival that was up in West Bend, Wisconsin. Yeah. And it was run by the Sunrise Rotary Club up in West Bend, Wisconsin. And that's actually one of the reasons why we started our event, the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, is because we were, Milwaukee is the city of festivals, and, and we were void of a of a jazz festival, a contemporary or smooth jazz festival for almost 10 years. Wow. And so we were my wife and I were like, you know, we need to do this. We need to we need to invest in doing this and bringing this back to the city. And so, yeah, but we did used to have the big one run by the Sunrise Rotary Club. Up yeah, I remember it had an interesting name. What was the name of it? Kettle Moraine Jazz Festival. Ah, that's it. The Kettle Moraine Jazz Festival. Yep. Yeah, I always heard there. about it. I always mm-hmm. heard about it. And when I started, when I started Muskegon. Yeah. I remember I got a call from another guy that does festivals up there. Can't remember his name now. Okay. Somebody, somebody who does something at a winery, I think, now. Oh, okay. 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 Uh, do you know maybe that? they do Jazz on the Vine now. Is that the folks that do Jazz on the Vine? Yes, maybe? I think so. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. They saw my first-year lineup with Kenny G and Boney James and Ruben Studdard and Layla Hathaway, and they said, could you please not advertise your event until ours is done? <laughs> and I said, I'll be more than happy to. I'm. I don't compete with anyone. I, yeah, I, yeah. I do, and so uh, I love Milwaukee, and I, of course I love sharing that story with Al because he was so such a real dude. You know. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and one of the one of the treasures that that we need to continue to uphold, and not in in certainly in the genre of music, in music overall, but in in Milwaukee as well. He was a, he was a, a dear gentleman and a, and a, and a treasure from Milwaukee. Yeah. So, Alexander, we've got this game we like to play on, on okay. the show, and it's called Bout It or Doubt It, okay? I started this body, body. If you bout it, get him up. 
I mean you body body. I mean you body body. We say you body body. I represent. I doubt it. So if you're about it, it's something that you're into. If you doubt it, it's something you're not quite feeling. Can we twist your arm and get you to play? I'm ready. I'm 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 a gambler. All right, let's go for it. All right, so we're gonna first we're gonna spin the wheel and we're gonna get you about or doubt a category. Then we're gonna ask you a few questions. Okay. Shoot. All right. So Alexander, your category today is summer fun. About it or doubt it, and I think I know the answer to this one, but I'm I, I, I'm not sure. But about it or doubt it, gardening. Oh no, not, not doubt it, huh? Oh, uh, I I I only I I have so few skill sets. Uh huh. So few. <laughs> no, I'm afraid I have an amazing backyard, and I love to sit in it. And uh-huh. there's beautiful gardens back there. There's even a pool I haven't been in in about 20 years. But I love sitting there, and. Uh, uh no uh I'm a, so I guess that's a doubt it that's a doubt it definitely <laughs> a doubt it I'm with you there man I I you know I could not I could not grow something if my life depended on it man and I've tried and I've tried and I've failed all the time so I love the results by the way I do too I love the results <laughs> too but it just doesn't work for me I I even had I, I I I've had so many plants that I've had in my house that I've had to get rid of because I just I don't know. They just don't like me. They just don't work for me. Well, Sorry. you know what? Pretentious as this sounds, I got a guy. Yeah. I got a guy that'll do it. Okay. Okay. So I can okay. look at it work. That's that's not a bad way of looking at it. Not a bad way of looking at it. All right. Well, let's ask you one more about it or doubt it category. Baseball games. About it or doubt it. Um, if I had the time, it would be about it. Okay. Because I, I the few times I've done it, I, I love it. I love the experience. I love the pace of baseball. We've got the Tigers here. I'm yeah. obviously a Tiger fan, but um, uh, I just, it, it, that's a time thing. I've played the national anthem at the Tiger games. Cool. I've thrown out the first pitches. Uh, so I dig all of that. I dig, yeah. I dig the popcorn. I've, I, I've taken my, my, my son there when he was a little guy. Yeah. Um, so so there, I'm gonna. I'm that, so that's about it. Got it. Got it. That's yeah. It. Nice ballpark in Detroit too. Nice ballpark America's, in Detroit. America's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, old Tiger Stadium was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it this like Milwaukee, Detroit's a real sports town. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. I've been I've been in Detroit for a few games and have noticed that yeah, it's definitely a big time sports town. No doubt about it. So. Let's take a listen to one more of your songs, Alexander. And and how about we get into Memphis Underground? And there, there's a reason I picked that one. When we come back after the song, I'll fill you in. Fantastic.
everybody that was alexander zanchik's memphis underground so so tell us about why you wanted us to feature that song today alexander well first of all it's got a great groove uh 
it it's a classic flute song. Yeah, that was a that was a big hit for Herbie Mann in 1968. Uh huh. Uh, I got to know Herbie very well. We even played a few gigs together. He was the epitome of if you're old enough, you'll remember this name. He was a beatnik. Remember? Oh beatnik? yeah. Oh sure, I do. Herbie Mann was a beatnik. You know, and uh, when I was doing my my second Warner Brothers record. Uh, Kirk Whalen was producing that album for me. Wow. And Kirk's a very dear friend of mine. And I said, we got to do a Herbie Mann song. And I goes, I got this one song that whenever I do it live, and we we do it a lot slower than the original, uh-huh. 500 people get up and start dancing. That's you cool. Know? And so uh, Kirk got this cool loop, this cool groove, played this incredible, that, that saxophone solo you heard on there is yeah. Kirk. And to this day, now, of course, I also have Motor City Sway, uh-huh. but to this day, Memphis Underground, one of my most requested songs. Always think about Herbie Mann, who kind of paved the way for us. Yeah. You know, Herbie, just like me, in as much as he was a jazz musician, was always not labeled into anything. Uh-huh. He, he did covers. He did disco records. He did pop songs. He did Latin songs. And he had a whole stage vibe. Herbie was a, Herbie was a cool beatnik. Yeah, you know, yeah, sure. Yeah. Done down to here. <laughs> I love that guy. Love yeah, that that's guy. cool. That is cool. So, Alexander, what advice would you give your thirteen-year-old self about life? Uh, <laughs> well, thirteen. Uh, Thirteen's not bad. I certainly wouldn't want to weigh a kid down any younger than that. Uh huh. You know, thirteen. You know, for people like us, we can conveniently go down this road, and I don't. I don't think for one minute that it's easy. It's this notion of trying very early on to identify what it is that's going to make you completely happy, fulfilled, and that your passion and your vocation and your and your craft all become one. You know, now for me, I started playing guitar when I was eight years old. So so very early on for me, this is what it was. Yeah, it's never a plan B. So at 13, at 13, you know, they teach so much at school. Yeah. Where's that class or or that consulting or that or that focus group where you all just sit around and go, well, what is it that you want to be? Yeah. You know? yeah. And really zeroing in on it and not being not giving into the pressure of, well, I know if I'm a doctor, I'll make a lot of money. I know if yep. I'm a lawyer, I'll make a lot of money. Well, look, if that's what you really want to do and you love doing it, and maybe your dad was that, a fireman, a police officer, it whatever it is, 13. Find out what your passion is, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, and never look at it as something that's supposed to make you rich. Yeah. If you're chasing money, you're not chasing happiness. You're just chasing money. It's so funny you say that. I had that very conversation. I was at a graduation, a high school graduation event for a young man a couple weeks ago and had that very conversation with him. And I told him, I said, in life, whatever you do, do what's going to make you happy. Because if you do what makes you happy, you'll be good at it. And if you're good at it, the money will follow. The money will follow, and it's and and it only needs to be enough. Yep, exactly, not, exactly. Doesn't need to be a lot to have all the money in the world and be doing something that you don't love doing. What, what do you got? Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. So that's good. Look, I'm starting to feel like uh, Gandhi. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, uh, who's the guy that wrote the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? Stephen, Stephen Covey. Covey. Stephen Covey. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, man. You're hey. Dropping knowledge is a good thing, right? Dropping knowledge is always a good thing. I I, I really enjoy uh, inspirational uh, people and speakers. Eckhart Tolle. Uh, yeah. I love Sadhguru. I don't know if you don't love Sadhguru. I do uh, not, no. 
Oh, you should check out said guru. What okay, I'll do that. I'll do He's that. He's the guru. Okay. Uh, but, but I, I love, I, you know, I love the fact that for the most part, they're all somewhat saying the same thing over and over again, yeah. sometimes in cooler ways than others. They all have their cool anecdotes. But, you know, look, the bottom line with all of it is, look, if you're, if Gandhi's going to tell you that the best way to find oneself is to lose oneself in the service of others, yeah, which, what could be more true than that? Yeah, What's no more doubt. boring than just worrying about yourself? That's you a know, great point. You know, or, 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 or service to, to, to your community and to your fellow man is the, is the rent we pay for the space we occupy. Those all are cliches. So many people use them. Uh, if you're going to steal stuff from Martin Luther King and Gandhi and Eckhart Tolle, um, uh, there's nothing wrong with, with, uh, uh, you know, the, the concept of having that as part of your dialogue, but, but live it. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Live it. Live it. Telling people that is cool. Now yeah. go about the business of being that service guy. There because, you go. Uh, because for me, I, I don't get bigger rewards than when I play fundraisers. I do. Yeah. If I do any more fundraisers, you know, the big joke in my office in Detroit is if I do any more fundraisers, you're all going to have to have one for me. Uh huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> and it's because there it's so much fun, and all people are asking me to do is what I love to do. Yeah. So much awesome. you don't get paid. That's awesome. So tell me your three favorite albums of all time. Very difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, very very difficult. I, I will tell you. Um, they would uh, first of all, it's hard for me to pick three. Mm -hmm. Um, there are albums that have been very meaningful to me. And so I can put them in those categories, you know, for meaning when you first heard, you know, that or you first heard that. I mean, uh, Miles Davis's Bitches Brew confused mm -hmm. me to death. Yeah, uh, I wasn't really yeah. into jazz at the time. I just knew there was something in there yeah. that just, wow, what's going on here with this guy? I know who he is. I'm playing rock and roll at the time. Uh, I felt almost obligated to listen to the whole thing over and over again. That definitely is up there. Bob James won for all the reasons I said earlier. Uh -huh. I heard an album of beautiful melodies, virtuosic, of themes like Mussorgsky's Night on Bald Mountain, that beautiful arrangement of Roberta Flack's Feel Like Making Love. Yeah. When I heard all of that come together on one record, I went, that's the guy for me. Right yeah. There. yeah. Know, that record was very influential. But my, again, the list goes on. You know, it's funny what I've what I've done in recent years, and I share it with people all the time. And I don't want to I don't want to not answer your question, but it no, it's, it's okay. My, it, when it comes to inspiration, my top three live performances of uh -huh. all time that I go to whenever I think I need some inspiration, and they're all so close that I hate to number them one, two, or three. Nineteen, maybe eighty six, maybe eighty seven. Uh, NAACP Image Awards. Uh -huh. They're honoring. Uh, um, they're honoring Dionne Warwick. Uh, all of a sudden, out comes a, a, a young, at the peak of his career, Luther Vandross. Yes. Comes yes. out on that stage, and 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 Dion is Dion Warwick is out there, and he sings "A House Is Not a Home." Yes. It is pure, and I know he's done it many times. Not like that. Yeah. That is pure perfection. If no one out there has gone and seen that video, it's flawless. There's one. It is. Yeah, one. that's a great one. Sting is celebrating his 60th birthday. Yeah. He's having a big concert. It's going really well. He's gonna do. Um, he's gonna do. Uh, what's that cool, very modal uh, song? Um, oh, it'll come to me. Okay. Uh, and uh, fragile. 
He's doing fragile. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's doing fragile. Who comes out? Stevie Wonder. Oh, wow. Stevie Wonder comes out. It's Sting's 60th birthday. Stevie starts singing. And, 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 and Sting, who, with all due respect to his talent, has an ego bigger than the John Hancock building. You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> But he's really talented. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's listening to Stevie, and he kind of backs off, and Stevie just kills it. Yeah. It's just awesome. But then, just when you think it can't possibly get better, Stevie pulls out his harmonica. Wow. Wow. There's number that's right up there for me. Yeah, no doubt. Kills me. Uh, I'm a huge. You might find this quirky. Uh-huh. I'm a huge. Katie Lang fan. Okay. Oh, I do too. I love Katie Lang. I think Katie Lang has one of the great voices yeah. in, in pop music, in singer-songwriter music. Mm-hmm. Uh, go back uh, quite a number of years. Canada's version of the Oscar of the of the Grammys is the Juno uh-huh. Awards. Okay. We're in Winnipeg, Canada, and uh, Katie Lang comes out, no shoes, no socks, uh, you know, looking pretty manly you know she actually looks a little like wayne gretzky you know uh-huh. she comes out <laughs> and uh she sings leonard cohen's hallelujah wow and, wow uh, carl i'm telling that had you, to be awesome it, it's right up there with those other two performances oh so, man I, I love it and i got one that's really quirky okay i stumbled onto this one do you know jesse J, the singer yes i do not jesse J, the sax player yes i we do know, know jesse, jesse. J, the singer mm-hmm. jesse J, the singer someone sends me this little clip it becomes my go-to, you know. I got, I got all these great performances, uh-huh. and it's uh, it's Jesse J in Japan singing "Killing Me Softly." Oh wow, wow, killer! And I go, wait a minute, I don't even know this girl. I don't know her music really. I know she can sing. Kind of came from a music theater background, and she nails it. Totally wow. nails. It. I've only that got one more, cool. and I'm done. Do it. Anybody that didn't think, and again, I, I don't think most people don't know what an amazing singer James Brown is. We know he's a great singer. I was a huge James Brown fan, just huge. Yeah, Never missed him when he came to Detroit. I was just a kid. We, we'd all go over to Detroit, sit in the front row at Cobo Hall, you know. Uh-huh. So, so he's near the end of his life, and Luciano Pavarotti's near the end of his life. Luciano's so sick, he's actually sitting. And it's one of those Luciano and Friends concerts. It's somewhere over in Europe. There's a million people there, and Luciano Pavarotti and James Brown sing It's a Man's World. Oh, wow. Wow. And uh, it's just killer. I got to kind of find that one. Yeah. You, oh, you'll find They're so easy to find. There we go. I'm done now. I've inspired myself. <laughs> well, not only oh, you inspired does. yourself, you've inspired us, man. I got to tell you, this has been a really, really enjoyable conversation. Um, I, I, I so appreciate you taking time. I so appreciate you your willingness to share and you're just a wealth of knowledge and information, man. And I'm sure our guests are going to love this episode. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, You're Milwaukee. Come on over to the Shoreline Jazz Festival. Uh, I sent you the poster. I I texted it to you. Yes. Uh, Mesa's going to be there. Uh, I'll be there with James Lloyd. Um, uh, Lindsay Webster's going to be there. Uh, Najee, uh, Eric Darius, uh, Lynn Rountree. uh, I was looking at your Uh, lineup. Symphony. Symphony Pops on the Friday night. Yeah. I'm doing full yeah. symphony with me and the band. I oh, got man. four Motown singers. We're going to do a Temptations tribute. It's funny. I was looking at your flyer, and we have our festival that same weekend, but we're, we're our festival ends on Saturday, and I was looking at your flyer thinking to myself, 
Maybe me and my wife can drive over for Sunday. So we, I have to talk to my wife and see if she's up for that. So. Don't you have like a Don't you have like a, a boat that takes takes you across? Uh, well, there is a ferry here that does take us across. So that's a possibility too. That would be an easy thing to do. That would be an easy thing to do. Oh well, please so, man, let me know if you're coming over. You, you will do, man. Love, All right. Great. We appreciate your time, Alexander. Thank, Thank you. Thanks so for much. Milwaukee. Thank you, Carl. Appreciate it. All right, it. man. Lots of fun. Thank you, man. All right, Thank everybody. You. That's our show for this week, and we want to invite you to check out. The upcoming Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, August 26th and 27th, featuring Bob James, the man that that, that discovered our guest today, Bob Bob James, Najee, Adam Hawley, Alex Pignon, Gabriella Anders, Marcus Adams, PJ Spragans, Merlon Devine, and Vandal Andrew. Go to freshcoastjazz.com for details and tickets. See you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage.